everyone. Welcome to The Scrub Life, a podcast for and about surgical technology. My name is Chris Blevins, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 5. I've got such a cool episode, um, and I am so grateful to Cindy Short for sharing her journey and experiences tonight. This episode is about surgical mission trips. Cindy has been going on mission trips to Honduras through a um, an organization called BMDMI, stands for Baptist Medical and Dental Mission International. Um, she's been doing this since I believe about 2015, and um, I'm so grateful to her for sharing her experiences uh, and kind of what a day in the life looks like when you're there. So without further ado, check out my conversation with Cindy Short coming up right now. Okay. So Cindy, first thing I want to say is thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to share your experience with me. Um, I was really excited that you said yes. So I appreciate you doing this. Mm. Oh, I, it's something that's very passionate for me. I it's it's just um, it's de- near and dear to my heart, and I love it. And I think anybody anybody that has gone has, you know, just had a you get more out of it than you give. Yeah, yeah. Well, so before we kind of get into um, the the actual mission trip, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Um, you know, how you got started in surgery and kind of a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share? Sure. Um, about 37, 36, 37 years ago, I went to nursing school. And um, after my first semester, they allowed you to be a nurse's aide. And so I started doing that mm-hmm. in 1985. And the longer I worked on the floor, the more I decided maybe being an RN was not necessarily for me. Yeah. I liked the patient care, but I um, wasn't crazy about all the paperwork. Oh, and it and just has gotten worse has, <laughs> over the last 30 years. Yeah. I worked for four years on the floor being a nurse's aide and um, occupational therapy asked me to work with them and be an OTA. So I did that. And one of the girls I worked with had uh, checked into surgical technology and I did not even know it existed at that time. Oh my gosh. Such um, a, I hear that all the time. So many people even yet today. Yes. Don't know who we are and what we do. Ugh. You think that there are nurses and doctors at the hospital. You don't realize how many different, um, fields there are there. Yeah. So I looked into it and I got into the program and 32 years later, I'm still loving it. Oh, that is so awesome. I had no idea you've been um, a CST for that long. Um, Yeah, not at all. Um, So where, um, I guess, have you worked mainly in like a hospital settings or day surgery units? I started out in um, the hospital Mm -hmm. and I worked for one of the main hospitals in Springfield, Missouri for um, 25 and a half years counting the floor work, um, 21 years counting surgery. Part of that time I was a private scrub for an ear, nose and throat surgeon. Yeah. Um, 
And um, before that, I, I did everything pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of ENT, a lot of um, neuro, general, um, plastics, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then I went to work for the ENT surgeon, and that was my dream job. Oh, I got no. to do uh, see patients in the office with him. And then I got to be with the patients intra-op and do surgery, and I got to see him post-op, and that was the continuity of care. I just loved it. And then he decided to retire. Oh, gosh. How dare they? (laughs) So what do you do? And you never know if if the next surgeon coming in is going to be a good fit. Um, And there was an opportunity for me to go to work for the hospital's surgery center. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then um, a group of eye surgeons that came to our surgery center um, asked me to work for them. And I've been doing eye surgery now for um, almost 11 years. Oh, wow. I think eyes um, are either like love them or you run the other direction, you know, sometimes. Yes. Um, There are a lot of people that just really don't want anything to do with eye surgery. Right. Or just the fates in general, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I I really relate to your story. I was a CNA and a phlebotomist when I was going through college. And, and so I would do like the pre-op labs at night. I was that mean person that woke you up <laughs> right as yes. you fell asleep. Um, and then, uh, and, and so when I worked in Germany um, years and years later, that background allowed me to do like patient care work um, in our family practice clinic there and Uh so I feel you when I you know when you said that you love kind of the continuity of care uh it was so great to be able to be a part of the diagnostic um you know uh realm and the alternative treatments and then ultimately you know if surgery was what they needed then I got to be a part of that too so I think that's a really cool perspective that you get uh that most you know scrub techs don't get Right. Yeah. So, well, so how did you first get involved? um, Or, well, even before that, like more globally, what made you say, I want to do like these medical missions? Um, I've always had a heart for missions. And the, um, I, I had been on a few other missions when I was in high school. We didn't do medical missions, but we did other missions yeah. um, for, with my church, and um, and I I had a heart for that. Um, as I got older, you know, you're you're working, you're paying the bills, you're doing <laughs> what you do, and you can't really necessarily take time off or have the money to go, and um, so it had always kind of been on the back burner. Yeah. But a friend of mine um, has had been going with this group to Mexico. For over 25 years. Oh, wow. And um, and she, you know, would tell um, her stories at meetings, and um, she would talk, give talks and show pictures. And um, I just, I really, really um, wanted to be a part of that. And finally, in 2015, I just made the decision. I talked to my husband, and... Um, made the decision that I was going to go. Um, the group goes for uh, two consecutive weeks and, 
uh, you can go for one week or two. And so I chose the first time to go for a week and um, kind of dip your feet and, in the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it was just amazing. <clears throat> so you, um, so the group that you go with, and I know there are so many to choose from out there. Um, but I think it's important to say, you know, who it is that you, uh, work with, but so it's BMDMI, which is Baptist Medical and Dental Mission International. That's correct. Um, it's also, um, uh, it's partnered with Time for Christ Global. Mm -hmm. The um, lady who organizes our trips works for Time for Christ, and um, and they partnered. They used to go to Mexico until it became unsafe for them to go where they were going. Yeah, and they um, found BMDMI and started partnering with them um, in Honduras. BMDMI goes to Central America, to Nicaragua, Honduras, and Guatemala mainly, um, but in Honduras where we go, they um, built a hospital and a clinic, and the clinic stays open uh, year-round, but the hospital only runs when there are mission teams that come. Right, and that is in, is it Guayamaca? Guayamaca? Guayamaca, right, and that's in yes. Honduras. Correct. How it's cool. It's two hours north of the capital, Tegucigalpa. Uh, I um, I heard Honduras, just as a country, is just gorgeous. It um, really is. Very green. It's a beautiful country. Yeah. And the people are, are just really, as, a, as the ones that we have met have just been really, really kind and, yeah. and uh, appreciative of everything that you can do to help. Oh, I can't even imagine. So, so let's start from the beginning. When you say, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to go on this trip. Um, then what's the first thing that you do? How do you prepare for that? Um, well, I, I had a connection because my friend had gone with them for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and she got me the information, um, told me who to contact, but we, uh, contact the, the lady who organizes our trip. And there are forms that you have to fill out. Um, and also where we go, they can only take 50 people at a time oh. because there's only housing for that many. And um, so you sign up, you tell them what your specialty is, what you want to do, because we have team, a part of the team um, is nurse practitioners and primary care who go to the villages. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other part of the team that is surgical. And um, so you tell them what your specialty is and what you would like to do. And then if there's room, you know, for everybody, then you start making plans to go. How and long in you, advance is do you start the preparatory step? Well, usually um, when we get back, we know when we're going the next year. Oh, wonderful. Wow. So do do the, those of you, I know that you had an in uh, and um, someone, you know, that had been doing this, but do the teams typically know each other or at least some of you or are, I guess, are you well, all getting to know each other? the first time I went, my friend couldn't go that week. Oh, of and course. So <laughs> I didn't know anybody that, that went. You know, uh, yeah, at the time, but um, every year, some of the same ones of us go. There are new ones each time, but there are also some of the same 
parts of the team that go. Yeah. Oh, wow. I bet that is one way to really solidify a friendship, I would think. It is. Yeah. It is. So you um, you said that there's a clinic and then there's the, the surgical, you know, area. Um, do you also live in, like, on the compound uh, or do you yes. all stay in the villages? No, we live on the compound. Um, they have built, uh, they have little mission homes um, that are on the compound, but we have like a dormitory that has um, a place where the Waimaka women feed us. They prepare our meals and then it's just like a dorm. There are bunk beds and uh, one for men and one for women. Mm -hmm. And you have your bathrooms and your showers and everything. Um, each, Each set of dorms has those and uh so yeah we live right there yeah. on the compound very cool how do you um what are i guess what are the supplies like do you uh are they brought in by um donations or uh you know talk to me a little bit about the surgical supplies and the instrumentation um how's that different well, than what you normally are able to do <laughs> i'm sure there is a massive difference i would think yeah well you know what <laughs> not as big as you might think Mm -hmm. now if we were going to africa where you were open uh working in open air you know you got windows open you got flies coming in while you're working yeah because i've got a friend that has done that as well oh geez it's not like that at all you know where we work is so much more like what we're used to it's amazing for a third world country with what we have yeah they've got a lot of donated instrumentation that that stays there the missionaries that live there on the compound they run the clinic his wife was a pharmacist here in the states and um so they they run everything they get donations machines um there's a c-arm there we have two sterilizers um you just but then all of your soft goods yeah that that we're used to we take what we can get our person that organizes our our trip she um she works with medline and whoever else that she can to get supplies they put them in crates she lives in san antonio Mm -hmm. or close to san antonio they drive the crates to new orleans and put them on a ship to get them there and um so that's how our supplies get there she she takes donations they buy what they can, you know, they, um, part of yeah. our money that we pay to go um, buys supplies for us to take down there. Wonderful. Is there anything that's really high need that you guys, uh, you know, we could, and this is a great platform to be able to ask for things, uh, you know, um, is there anything that you ever wish that you all had more in donations of? Well, you know, you just, you just never know. Mm-hmm. Um, what other teams are going to have left or what other teams um, will um, have brought or used that you had, you know, so you yeah. don't. Um, but, and when when COVID hit, then we couldn't get any supplies because they were all saved for hospitals. Right. Yeah. You know? And so we didn't get to go, of course, last year. But, um, we, uh, 
we're always needing we we get you know minor packs we we ship cases of minor packs down there mm-hmm. which have uh, most of your soft goods for your you know your basic cases um i mean we ship all of our drapes um for ortho cases for ent cases um suture sometimes mm-hmm. that's an issue you know yeah having what what the doctor wants i mean they'll use what we've got but sometimes suture is an issue um what about gloves i hear we're you know we're in kind of a glove shortage right now anyway so i would imagine gloves and gowns are a big a big need as well they are we did we weren't going to have enough gowns we um this this year was kind of amazing we um ran across she ran across her her rep had texted her because we were having trouble getting supplies yeah gowns like you said and gloves and um she her rep texted her and he said give me a call when you get a chance i may have some stuff for you oh wow well sometimes that means outdated which we can't take yeah um or sometimes it's just you know who knows but usually it's outdated stuff and so she kind of let it go for a few days and he contacted her again so she called him and he had um like 500 packs that a hospital had ordered for a surgeon a cardiovascular surgeon that was coming that um he decided not to come and they were stuck with all they had all these packs and the hospital said you know we will pay for them, but we we don't have anything to, we can't use them. And so we don't care if you throw them away. We can't, we don't want them delivered. Oh my god! Do whatever you want to with them. What a waste that would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And so he said, do you want them? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We will take those. Thank you very much. Oh, gosh. So um, it was just kind of a, a miracle. Yeah. We got that kind of stuff, you know. Oh. Um, but uh, so, what what was the pandemic like? I know that you couldn't go during, but you know, kind of. I mean, we're definitely not done with it yet. How is traveling all that way um, in the midst of all of this? Really, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't bad. We had to fill out some extra forms, or they said we had to, and then they basically didn't look at them. But it was okay. <laughs> of course, we filled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, really, it was it went pretty much just as usual, except that when we came back, we all had to be COVID tested yeah. um, before we came back to the States, which people going anywhere have to be pretty mm-hmm. much. But um, it, our, our travel experience was really pretty much the same as it had been prior to. Yeah. Well, so let's talk a little bit um, about kind of what a day in the life looks like when you're there. Um, you know, do you usually, is it a Sunday through Saturday thing uh, if you do one week or, or you know, obviously two? Yeah, it's usually a Friday to Friday. Friday to we, Friday. Um, we go in on a Friday and then um, the types of surgery that we do depend on which surgeons sign up to go. Mm-hmm. So um, we we get there on a Friday. We're two hours by bus from the 
airport. However, they've opened a new airport, so we're going to be three hours from the airport when we oh. go back. But Well, that's right. Uh, it's sightseeing, right? It, that's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, we go and we get settled in on Friday evening, and then Saturday morning our surgeons hold clinic. The village doctors know what surgeons are coming that week so that they can refer that type of patient to mm -hmm. have it be evaluated. So, um, are you guys involved in the clinic part at all? Not mostly not unless they, um, are doing some like a procedure that they just need to do in the clinic that isn't surgical, but you know, they need to examine some, somebody, you know, yeah. um, like a throat, check the larynx or if they need to clean out an ear or something basic that they can do right there in the clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, then they may come and get us to get them supplies and help with that. Yeah. But for the most part, we are getting um, the first week when we go in on Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon, we're getting supplies ready. We're getting instrument sets put together because um, most of your sets are dismantled and you've just got um, rows of instruments, shelves of instruments. So you're picking your instrument sets, putting stuff together, kind of. Yeah. Um, by noon, the doctors usually have a schedule for the full week. So you kind of have an idea of what kind of sets you're going to need. Uh, we always need basic sets like tonsils and um, lap coles and, you know, just basic sets. Right. Uh, but, but once they get the schedule, then you can really kind of um, – focus on, on what you really said you really need to put together. So that's what we're doing on Saturday. I bet that's interesting. Um, you know, I think we get spoiled here in the United States and, uh, especially in our, you know, hospital systems and everything's put together for you. Uh, and you know, so I, that's a lot of critical thinking, right? You have it, to think yeah. about each procedure. Yes. Yeah. What a, and of course, you're working with doctors you've never worked with, so you don't really know exactly what they want. <laughs> I would imagine, though, that this particular trip isn't a time for them to get to be a diva, right? <laughs> it, it's really not. No, yeah, and they're really good about working with what they have. And if there's something special that they're going to do, they come back and work with you on the instrument sets. They come and look at the instruments, see what you got and say, okay, I can use this or I can't use that. And they're, they're really good to use what they have. That's wonderful. Well, I, yeah. I also think that, you know, you have to have, I think those people who go on these trips definitely have a, um, a servant heart. Um, and so, you know, I think that that probably plays into the, the entire experience, right? Like, it really does. And, and I've said it time and time again, there is nothing like working with a group of like-minded people yeah. who want to be there, who want to take care of these people and, you know, give them the best experience possible. And I mean, you know, at work as well as I do, not everybody wants to be there. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's a meal ticket. It's their, their paycheck or they just, they'd rather be somewhere else. And these it's, it's amazing to work with a group of people that want to be there and want to do all they can to make it a good experience. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I can, um, I think that that would be a really cool thing. Um, and maybe, you know, we have those days where 
it it feels just like a job and it never should feel that way right because we're dealing with patients and and their lives and uh, and it's important and so i think having the opportunity to go on this mission trip does it does it heal your soul a little bit and help you remember Always. why you got there in the first place every time wow every time it, it is very um rejuvenating it's it's like I, I have said, it, I get more out of it than I give every time. Yeah. Well, how many of you are there on a team? I know you said about 50, but how many of those are uh, surge techs? Well, if we're lucky, we have at least four <laughs> yeah. surge techs. We have four surgical suites, and um, we technically could run four rooms if we have four surgeons and if we have for anesthesia providers. Right. We also have to have someone who washes the instruments and gets them packaged back up to sterilize them. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been fortunate to have ancillary people like um, one of the surge techs that goes, his wife has gone and she has done the instruments for a few years. And so she's familiar with some stuff and, and how to do it and get everything put back together. Oh my and, gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, you take somebody off the street and you train them. Well, I mean, <laughs> but, um, good grief. I've worked in hospitals where they did the same thing. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. yeah, yes. absolutely. Oh. When we bring the instrument sets out, we put a note in them as to what they are. Mm-hmm. so that whoever's washing and getting them put back together because they won't know necessarily what they are right um, can can know what it is and how to label it so that we could find it again oh wow um, but uh yeah so we can run hopefully we have four texts so that we can run four rooms if maybe or somebody can get a break when they yeah. need to what kinds of surgeries are typical? I know that it can de- uh, it can depend upon the actual surgeon and um, and who all, but are there are there some procedures that you've done more so over the years? Well, most of the time we have ENT, general, GYN, and ortho mm-hmm. over the two week period. Those are the four specialties that we usually do. Um, and so I, having an ENT background, have done ENT. Yeah. That's what I did all the last two, the two weeks that I was there this year. Then, um, but last year, or the two years before that, I did ortho some, and you just fill in where you need to. Oh, right. You just scrub tech it, is what we say, uh, right? Yeah. You just wing yes, it. Exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and, um, we try to do most, we try to do everything closed. Sure. Either laparoscopically, um, because at the facility, yes, it's a, a clinic with um, sur- a surgery suite, hospital attached, mm-hmm. but we don't have nurses to take care of patients overnight. So if you have to open a patient, uh, open a belly or something, yeah, you don't. You have to hire nurses to stay with them overnight, right? So that our our people that go can get rested, so they can work again the next day. And um, do those nurses come from the local hospital, or um, are they kind of on call? Uh, no, it's just wherever they can find them. Right. Oh gosh, have you all so, ever had to sit and pack you with a patient until that happens? Well. Um, our nurses work 
our nurses that go on the, the mission trip work till like seven. Mm-hmm. And then um, a nurse that has been hired will take over and work seven to seven. Ah, yeah. And stay overnight. Then. Um, what time does your day start when you're there? Are you a 6 a.m. or like the rest of us usually are? Well, um, no, not quite. Yeah. And things are much slower paced. <laughs> um, a so teaching hospital. You know, we're used to moving fast and a quick turnover. And everybody just has to take a breath and, and kind of step back and go, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. It's going to take a little bit longer to do this. And we're going to, we'll, we'll just work till we get it done. And it's no big deal. But um, usually we have breakfast around um, 6.30 or 7, depending on when the village teams are going out. Sometimes they have to drive two hours to where they're going. Oh, goodness. the mountains. And um, wow. so we start around seven to just, we have a, a morning devotional and breakfast together. And then the village team leaves and then um, about 7.30 or eight, we get started with patients. All of our patients are directed to get there at 6 a.m. though. Yeah. So um, that whoever's there and whoever's ready will be ready to go. And we can, you know, we've got an uh, order but um, if somebody's not there, then we go on to whoever's there and ready to go. I would imagine, I kind of looked on Google Earth at Honduras and Guayamaca and, you know, just to kind of wrap my head around it. And the trek in, I think, for probably those patients that are, you know, so lucky to be able to have this opera- these operations, uh, that can be really long, it looks it like. Can. So, it yeah, my gosh. And I love, I mean, I love the fact that the the local people come and, and are able to, you know, feed you all. Um, I definitely love food. <laughs> so I want to, you know, I want to hear about that too. Um, but first, let's take just a little break uh, just to kind of let your voice uh, get a rest, grab a drink of water, and then let's get back into it because I'm just, I'm, uh, I love hearing about this. So we'll be right back. All right, so we checked on animals and children, and everyone is still breathing and alive, so that's good. <laughs> so, so your day starts with breakfast. Talk to me about the food. It's not surgery, but come on, that's our that's our love language, right? Um, yeah, we uh, we need the food, so yeah. Talk to me about it. Um, I love new food. Well, to be honest, I mean, we've had the same cooks every year I've been. They're <laughs> wonderful women. Yeah, and uh, they're they're just the best. They feed us very well. They're, um, but a lot of times they make it more. Tr- traditional for us mm-hmm. what we're used to Aww. so um you'll always have uh, at the end of the, bo- the food bar there's always cereal with some milk which is not like our milk but it's milk and or peanut butter so you can always get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich if you don't like what's going on that is but, the staple of medicine <laughs> surgery yes. i don't know that anybody can do it without just like I don't, I think I have had a jar of peanut butter in my hospital locker 
like my entire career, right? Right. Yes. Um, one evening we have a traditional Honduran meal, which is beans and rice. Mm-hmm. That's what the, uh, the traditional Hondurans eat is a lot of beans and rice. Um, we have fresh fruit, which is like my favorite for every meal. Oh, wow. There are, um, you know, fresh bananas and papaya and mangoes and pineapple and watermelon. And then they make juices out of the watermelon and strawberries. And it's just amazing. Oh, God. Um, we have lots of, you know, for breakfast you have eggs and um, bacon, lots of bacon. and Yes. Um, so just kind of traditional stuff there for us yeah as opposed to them but we do have a have a traditional Honduran meal and um and so there is some pork and beans and rice and um and a a fried egg which is their traditional meal oh my gosh i guess what i'm making tomorrow for dinner (laughs) that's what we're gonna have that sounds amazing oh so so you start with breakfast and then you know your your patients are coming in hopefully they're able to get there that early um you know are you assigned an or you kind of know what you're going to do for that day well the group has talked kind of as a whole and decided who's going to do what specialties um and then so we get our rooms ready um i try to pick you know, my instruments and as many of my supplies, we try to do that the night before so that we're ready to go the next morning. Yeah. And um, it's, it's kind of like picking a case cart. We just don't have case carts. We have little baskets that we put all of our stuff in. And um, I just get as much of that into the room as possible because usually it's just the surgical tech and a nurse. Mm-hmm. And the nurse is taking care of the patient so you're opening all of your stuff and and setting up getting ready by yourself pretty much um so you just do as much as you can but we talk beforehand decide who's doing what rooms and you can change if you want but a lot of times we just stay with the same doctor that way you kind of get to know how they do things and what they want yeah um and it just makes things go more smoothly just like here sure um Talk and to me so, about the ma- the the makeup of the actual OR. Do you have the same in, like one back table, a Mayo, you know those kinds of things? Um, we have a back table. We have two Mayo stands, and of course your laparoscopic okay. tower, right? Yes, we actually have video towers. Oh, awesome! Striker video towers. It's wonderful. Now, it's not the newest equipment sometimes, but we really get a good picture with them most of the time. And the guy, the missionary who, who runs it, he does an amazing job of maintaining all of that stuff. He's really learned a lot over the years of being down there right? Um, on how to take care of that equipment because that was not his his job here in the States. He was a well, well driller guy. Really? And, uh, so it's been a real learning process for him that he is, he takes care of the instruments so well. And, um, and so we have really nice, um, for there anyway, striker towers that yeah. give us good and our cords are, are nice. He takes care of them so they don't get the fibers broken. And oh, man. 
is getting the CO2. Um, I always wonder about the processes for all of that, you know, because there's, you've got to have your, your inhalation medication, you know, your IV meds, your, um, antibiotics. And then of course the big CO2 tanks, um, you know, for insufflation. Um, yeah, that's a, gosh, I think the logistics of that, um, is probably crazy. It is hard. Right. Um, we didn't have a lot of antiemetics this year for nausea. Oh, um, so they had to be kind of careful what drugs they gave and how they mixed to try to help them. Mm-hmm. We had had some scope patches, so they used those instead. Yeah. You know, um, and sometimes the anesthesia people will bring some stuff with them. Um, other times we just, we work with the uh, clinic that is there and, and, uh, get meds through them some. Yeah. I um, bet TSA loves that. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to explain that. In- sharp. <laughs> Try bringing something sharp through in a carry on. They, right. They've taken it from, yeah, you know, because no. you don't want to put it in your check luggage, right? Cause they go through it and you, you lose it that way, maybe. Right. So you carry it on, and yeah, you can't have that. <laughs> have so, to explain that to uh, them. We had some real uh, interesting times with that kind of stuff. <laughs> can't um, even. Oh my goodness! And that's just trying to get there, you know. Yeah. Oh man. Or, or get it home either way. Oh, that's you true. Know? Yeah, I didn't even think about bringing stuff. it back. Yeah, I've only been like in Honduras. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm got, oh God, I can't even. So one time somebody had something and they took and TSA took it from them. They, we were on our way home. No. And so they had to run out and get the missionary to take it for them. And somebody else was going to be coming to the States. And so they were going to bring it with them when they came and get it back to him somehow. It, wow. It's just <laughs> sometimes a real trip. Definitely a group effort. Uh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes. Oh my gosh. So in a typical day, I mean, I get that obviously, you know, some surgical specialties and procedures are going to take longer than others, but like what time does a day end for you guys? Well, that that can kind of just depend on how the day goes, you know, if everything yeah. goes, goes well, it, and it depends on how many cases you've got scheduled. Um, the first week we were there this year, we had more cases scheduled than the second week. So we yeah. might finish earlier in the day. Hope we, we like to finish by five mm-hmm. in the evening. Um, and, and hopefully we, you know, usually we do, uh, what some years that I've been, we've, um, had to work a little later some nights, Yeah, but we're usually done by five. Wow. How, um, what happens at the end like so someone else is reprocessing your instruments thank goodness um most of the time yeah when we have downtime and and at the end of the day we go back and then help put up sets or we wash if we need to if Mm -hmm. they're behind and um so you get everything clean for the next day you get everything wrapped you put everything you can in the sterilizer yeah and um and run as much as you can and uh and then we you know go to dinner and and call it a day what is dinner like you can tell can you tell i'm hungry like (laughs) (laughs) 
not eating. Right? Yeah. I um, I made dinner for the kids. I made dinner for the kids and then, you know, work and do all the things that you do. And I'm like, I, there's no way I'm eating right now. I don't, I've been smelling it for an hour. And then of course, all I want to do is eat. So whoever listens to this podcast, like I need to do a PSA, like eat first before you listen. Yes. Well, dinner is just, it's just, uh, you know, it depends on, well, no, it's, it's good. And it, it's always something different. We, yeah. They always, I mean, some nights we'll have like, I think we had a taco salad one night, you know, Yeah. but they really do Americanize it for us. How they sweet. have some, um, like desserts that they will make. There's this dessert that they they take bread and cut the crust off and flatten it out and have this cream cheese filling they roll oh it up my god it cinnamon and sugar oh. and it, it's amazing but um you know they they do uh, some specialty desserts like that that they have over there yeah um but a, a lot of it's just it's americanized some wow um, there's lots of of rice though yeah and uh no keto for you (laughs) no 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 not so much so so how many days so that's like saturday's clinic um do do you start operating on sunday or we do yeah we do we start early on sunday morning and usually we finish um we we do um the majority of stuff through Wednesday mm-hmm. and then Thursday we may do some little ditzels, something that's not real major. Um, so that if there are any complications or anybody, you know, so we can get everybody out by the time we leave on Friday Yeah, because we leave for the airport early Friday morning <laughs> and then immediately head back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does and another so, team then come in? As y'all are leaving well, sometimes, or? It just depends on how many um, teams they have scheduled. Yeah, yeah. I know after we left, there were only two more teams coming in, and we came back um, August 3rd was mm-hmm. the second week, when the second week came back. Um, and then the next team was, the next two teams were coming in September, and um, they that was the last two teams for the year. Wow. Oh, it makes me want to get on a plane and like go like I can help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what are the age ranges of your of your patients? All age ranges. All ages. Yeah. Babies with ear tubes mm-hmm. or you know, stuff like that to to elderly ladies that need hysterectomies or um elderly men with hernias or need circumcisions or um, ortho cases, you know, somebody, a, a, you know, a young guy or a middle-aged guy that's broken something or got something going on, which makes it where he can't work, which means he can't provide for his family, you know, Hmm. trying to, to get him to where he can function again. And, um, so we have all age ranges. Do you have a FACO? there for cataracts um we do not yeah oh man we do not do eyes Mm -hmm. um my guys the eye doctors that i work with some of them would love to go but we it's just really hard 
logistically to get everything done. I mean, right. for cataract, you know, you have to do preoperative testing to uh, figure out what size intraocular implant to mm -hmm. put in. Then you have to have, <clears throat> excuse me, um, access to the intraocular implants. Right. Then you have to have follow-up to make sure everything's going okay. Yeah. So there's just a lot that it's goes lot. into that, um, that that we just don't have worked out to where they could go when we go anyway. What do you think the craziest or most complicated case you've done there was? Hmm. Well, we, we, the first couple of years I went, we saw a little guy back with um, airway stenosis. Mm. And when you don't have the instruments that you're used to, um, when you don't have access to that, then you're, you know, putting stuff together, trying to figure out how you can get down into this little kid's airway yeah, to open him up. And, um, and then he would come back the next year because, you know, because they keep checking him. And I know we did surgery on him two years in a row to open up his airway. Yeah. And sometimes those are, are just a little bit of a struggle, you know, because yeah. you got a little kid and little kids can go bad really quick. Yep. When they, when they come back, they can come back really quick too, but they, they can go bad really quick and you just want the, the best for them and a good outcome. And when you don't have what you're use, what you know is available at home to work with, you know, right? Um, that it, it can make it challenging. This year, um, uh, you know, some they had to open some cases, which then the late the patient had to stay. And anything that you go in doing laparoscopically that turns into an open case there is a little bit more intense than it sure. would be of course here yeah yeah i can yeah we uh i think anytime you have to open um that brings its own set of challenges so um yeah i i think we can understand how that would be uh, yeah. much more complicated yeah we also had a little girl a few years back she um had had a surgery um, for a thyroglossal duct cyst mm -hmm. like two or three other times and they hadn't gotten it all. So it kept recurring. Shoot. And her grandpa brought her. She was five years old. Her mm. grandpa brought her and um, she ha ended up um, having to have a drain and she had to stay with us all week. Well, she's, you know, most of us don't speak Spanish. We have wonderful translators. Yeah. But, uh, most of us don't speak Spanish that go. And um, her grandpa had to go home because he had to work in order to feed the other grandkids. Of course. Yeah. And here's this five-year-old that had to stay with us all week. Oh, bless and her heart. Scared to death. Strangers. Yes. And grandpa asked her, are you okay? You know, is it okay? I have, I need to go home. And, and she said it was and she was a strong little girl she was the the cutest little thing oh, but gosh. you know things like that just kind of break your heart because yeah. it's like she knows nobody she didn't know us mm -mm. and she has to stay with us all week and so um it's it's fun it's rewarding you can play with her um somewhat 
and, yeah. you know, interact with her, uh, try to make it a little better for her. But you know she had to be scared, you of know? Of course, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm going to make my kids listen to this because, <laughs> you know, God forbid. <laughs> yeah. Um, spoiled. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> we, we do not appreciate what we have. No. So what are some of your most memorable experiences there? Like whether it was based on a surgery or not, um, you know, what are those things when you think back on it that, uh, that make you laugh or, or make you smile? Well, everything makes me smile because it's just, <laughs> when I walk in to that compound, I, I feel like I'm home. Yeah. The, the people make you feel that way. I mean, it's a compound. It's surrounded by razor wire mm-hmm. and we have 24 hour guards with machine guns. It's, it's a compound. Have you needed them? Feel, I've never felt unsafe. Awesome. Never felt unsafe. But um, one of the gentlemen that came to have surgery one time, he, um, he couldn't see very well. He needed some readers. And we have a gentleman that tests eyes. Um, he works, he's with the Lions Club, and he has a little machine. He tests eyes to see what kind of readers they might, people might need. And, of course, we didn't have the size reader he needed. Well, the lady who gets our... Um, organizes our trip she had the right size reader for him the, the kind of correction he needed so she gave him her readers oh man then he couldn't hear well he had hearing loss and we um one of our ENT surgeons that has been with this group for 30 years he had found someone that makes solar powered hearing aids no way and yeah, it's, it's amazing. The guy makes them by hand, and when we're out of what we've got, then we can't get them anymore. But um, he uh, fitted him with a hearing aid so he could hear. Then um, You changed then, his world. Then yeah. he got his surgery to repair a hernia, and yes, he, he got a Bible, and he could read the Bible with his glasses. He could hear people when they were talking to him. Wow. He cried and hugged everybody. Oh my and gosh, everybody probably cried. <laughs> world, you know? Yes. It, it's just a, well, it's, I mean, that's what it's about, <clears throat> you know? Yeah. And every, every time a patient comes before, on the day of surgery, before they come in to have their surgery, um, our, our camp pastor or, or a missionary will share um, the gospel with them and um, and then they come in and then the team they get ready in pre-op which is a room with chairs in it where they start <laughs> their IVs oh goodness then yes the patients walk back to the OR but before they leave the pre-op they're prayed with they bring them back we pray over them in the OR I've got a, there's a general surgeon that goes that I love dearly. He, he may break out into song in the middle of the case. Oh, wow. And just start praying over the guy and, um, just for healing and, and blessing on the surgery and the people working. And, um, it's just an incredible atmosphere to, to be able to do what we normally do and and love on these people what um 
what do you take back with you? Uh, and how has this experience affected you when you come and you, and you do your, you know, your daily job here in our, in our, uh, health system? Well, like you said, sometimes it becomes a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I really think I probably appreciate things a little more, um, what we have, the, the luxuries we have. Um, if we don't have something, I'll tell it here. I'll tell my surgeon, just pretend like we're in Honduras. Right. You, you got this. Yeah. <laughs> Use what I got here. <laughs> but, um, you, you just um, try to, to really treat the people. I always, and I've always pretty much been this way, but I try to take care of my patients like they're my family. Of course. And like, I want somebody to take care of my family um, because I am that patient's advocate. Yes, you are. And if, if there's something that isn't right, if there's something that needs to be done or said, and that patient doesn't know, or, you know, because the, the general public doesn't know to ask questions. They trust mm-hmm. that we're doing the right thing every time. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, I, I just, uh, I want to be sure that I'm taking care of them. Like I want to be taken care of or like I want my family taken care of. That's why you're one of the best, my dear. Absolutely. I think we, um, we as educators teach our students that. Um, and I think that sometimes you get into a rut in your routine and, um, you can forget that this isn't just your job. It's a calling. And, um, and that's a person that has a family that desperately needs them to come home. And in order to do that, you've got to do your job um, right. and do it to the best of your ability. So, that's right. so if someone listens and says, I really want to get involved, what do you suggest? How do they, how do they begin? Well, um, like you said in the beginning of this, um, there are so many good organizations. Yeah. Um, the one I go to, uh, you can go to BM, DMI Mission Trips. You can fill out a, uh, a form and um, they can hook you up with a team. Because um, they, on a general, you know, generally on a normal year, which I'm not sure we will ever have. I was about to say, year. what is that even anymore? Yeah. yeah. It's a new norm all the, every time you turn around. Sure. But, um, they have several teams and they can, you know, hook you up with, with that, um, put you in contact with the uh, person who's getting, who's organizing that team. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, we have a, a website that I will make sure to link, um, all of the, this information, including BMDMI's website, uh, to that page so that if anyone wants to, uh, be able to contact them or learn more about it. Um, we'll definitely have those resources there. Well, Cindy, thank you. Um, gosh, I, uh, this is a time of transition for me and I think I needed to hear your story today. Um, I think I needed to hear, uh, something that warmed my heart and filled my soul. And I'm, you're already a friend. I'm so glad that I know you. Uh, and and it doesn't surprise me at all that you have 
uh, dedicated some of your life to be able to go on these mission trips. So thank you for sharing and thank you for being you and, and, uh, and doing what you do. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Well, that will conclude our interview and more to come about contact information here in a minute. Y'all, I am not too proud to admit that uh, tears have definitely been flowing. Um, It warmed my heart to hear about her experiences and how much um, they have been able to help the people of Honduras going on these mission trips. For notes on this episode, as well as information on uh, specifically BMDMI, please check out our webpage. It's the scrublifepodcast.wordpress.com. And you can find a link to this episode and links to uh, BMDMI's website. Also, you know how to find us. We're at the Scrub Life Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can also find us, um, Scrub Life Podcast, on Instagram. And if you have any uh, suggestions, comments, concerns, even criticisms, please feel free to email me. I can be reached at the Scrub Life Podcast at Outlook.com. So from my house to yours, I hope that you've had a wonderful night. Happy Friday. Uh, it's Friday Eve, y'all. Um, I hope that you had a great weekend or week and um, an even better weekend coming up. With that, I'm Chris Blevins. Thanks again for supporting us. Please share this episode as well as other episodes. Guys, no one knows who a surgical technologist is, and that's our goal is to um, share and spread light on, uh, on what we are, who we are, and the importance of our profession in surgery. Thanks, everyone. See you next episode. Thank you.